Hello and welcome to another episode of the DGen Cast. My name is Rich Sponholtz, and with me, as always, is Jamie Eastep, the good old hack father himself, from the hacks in good old North Kakalaki. Hey, Rich. Rich. Yeah. What's going on? Hey, Rich. Yeah. Do you know what the most expensive common is in Double Masters? The only way that you're pointing this out is if it's a basic land. It is, in fact, the full art basic island. <laughs> Why am I not fucking surprised? <sighs> Dude, I. I have no fucking idea what dipshit at Watsy decided to make this dumpster fire of a set. Don't get it twisted. This rap shit is mine. Motherfuckers are fucking game. Fuck what you heard. It's what you hear it. It's what you hear it. Listen. X don't give it to you. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X don't deliver to you. Knock knock. Open up the door. It's real. Let the nonstop pop out and sailing still. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the motherfucker wonder if he did it. Damn right. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we'll get to it a little later on in the show notes. We've got a pretty great cast for you guys tonight. And just talking about. So this is. <laughs> admittedly, this is our second try at recording episode twelve. The first one was pretty terrible, so we decided not to give you guys that one. Yeah, well, it took it took me three times editing episode eleven over two month a two month period to get it out. So you know, yeah, episode twelve was pretty shit without that though. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. We are going to touch briefly on a couple things that happened here right from the get go. The first thing we've got is the death of the DCI. Yeah, welcome to the underground, baby. Yeah, getting rid of planeswalker points and doing away with the planeswalker points website and those records and dci numbers although apparently you're still going to use your dci number for a while for some things it's kind of i don't know i know that they're going to be using something that is like app based i think from what i've understood is that yeah like a almost like a cell phone app kind of thing where you'll you'll it's Basically, like you're getting another fucking DCI number. So I don't know why they think this is a good idea other than that they want to make it even more convoluted for people to show up to events and play. And, you know, for the for the technically minded that listen to it, all, you know, two people that, that may listen to this that have some sort of technical inclination, like moving a database from one you know, DB architecture to another can be troublesome Rich, and no one gives not a really shit. cost effective. No one so, really gives a shit like, <laughs> about the technical side of this. Look. That's as far into it as I'm going. Like it's, it's okay. No one cares. We just, I, yeah. I mean, like what it, are people like Sean O'Brien going to do to like, other than like riffle shuffle, you know, beta power and duels to poor shame people, you know, he does have a low DCI number. So we don't, Not anymore, he doesn't. No, now he has no DCI number. <laughs> so I, Sean will have to find something else to really just like dumpster on people over, which for him won't be very hard. Time has proven, Jamin Ben Wise. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you are not your DCI number, and now neither is anyone else. <laughs> So we had some other things, you know, since the, you know, since we did our last episode, we saw some bannings happen. Luris and Vintage being kind of the big one. It also got nailed in Legacy along with another companion. Zerda, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we saw some bannings. We also saw power level errata or, you know. For the first time in forever. Yeah. Like quote unquote power level errata, which I, I think is just kind of interesting that Wizards put out this just shit 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 fucking mechanic that broke magic before it was even released in paper like it broke vintage it broke legacy it broke any format that like people who aren't poor play you can't say that <laughs> i say it every time i don't you know, I know. 
<laughs> and you edit it out every time. No I, no, I don't. I didn't in the last one. Anyway, so one of the things that was released from Wizards about this was if we see signs of long-term health issues resulting from high metagame share of companion decks, we're willing to take steps up to or including changing how the companion mechanic works. God, that was word fucking soup. For now, oh, metagames need... More time to evolve before we can determine whether changes are necessary. They eventually determined that they were. I would also like to point out that Luris in Legacy did not have near the metagame share that Brainstorm does. But yet, Luris got banned. We made it five minutes into the total recording before you mentioned banning Brainstorm. I fucking hate that card, man. That might that might be a new fucking record. Oh, God. I'm sorry that I don't need training wheels to play Legacy like everybody else. It was very interesting because they had basically out and said that we're willing to do power level errata for new mechanics in order to bring them in line, which that's going to be kind of a recurring theme tonight. Uh, as we're talking about various things. Well, also, Luris was the first card banned in Vintage since Scheherazade in, what, 2007, 2008? So uh, yeah, I think so. It wasn't preemptively banned like the, the right. conspiracies. But, you know, that's, that's a big deal. You know, it, it does show that they are paying attention to vintage i don't think the conspiracies being banned really counts as real bannings yeah to be i mean yeah they were never legal they were preempt i said other than being preemptively banned so right. i think that it, it does show that they have their pulse on what's going on in vintage and i guess a, and, and, and i guess in though. legacy a little bit as far as they were very problematic i mean anybody that right. played against them i don't have a moto account i know you don't have one we heard from i think i have an account but i've never used it yeah, I, you know, just all over, we're kind of taking this from MTG Twitter and from what we saw from like the Vintage Magic group on Facebook. So it seemed to be just, you know, superfluous in the format. It was everywhere. You know, you had Shops decks playing it in addition to Blue decks. So we did actually recently have a BNR on 8.3. Mm -hmm. There was nothing for, like, I, I saw people talking about BNR on Twitter, which I thought was weird because there was no announcement of it. I mean, this one was, in fact, out of the blue. Yeah. I mean, other than me getting the notification from the Top Decked app when I got out of bed at 11 a.m. that day, that was when I found out. Shameless plug, Top Decked is the shit. Go download that, use it, There is a it. new beta that is out that you can sign up for. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it does bring up the idea of unannounced BNR changes. Is this going to be a, the new normal? I mean, it's really what used to happen i mean mm -hmm. it's not like they they had a social media presence in the 90s and early 2000s to that you just got bannings you know the so-called dark ages hey don't, <laughs> don't don't make me sound old here fuck you you'd, you'd show up for a tournament and you'd, you'd find out that you know hey some of the cards in my deck are banned so that happened to me more than once when i was younger but i do you know i do kind of like that just out of the blue for me, it feels it feels nostalgic. I'm sure it really pisses off a lot of newer players, and I can see the the ramifications in formats. I hope like it pisses off the MTG finance nerds. <laughs> like if you got caught with your pants down hoarding fucking wilderness reclamations, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Or like I, actually, I, and admittedly, I just pulled that one out of the blue. I know that's on like the standard ban list, no, but I, I have no, no idea if I, it had any monetary value or anything. And frankly, it don't care yeah neither do i but no the i know it does have implications with mtgo and arena not mm -hmm. having them 
you know, say, hey, we're going to have one. You know, imagine waking up the next day to your arena account. And this wasn't like a slight tweak. No, this was, a, I mean, they banned what? Th there was four like cards? four cards yeah. banned in three formats. Yeah. Like, and, and that's, that's not four cards across three formats. That's four cards, four cards, four cards. Like, yeah, it was a sweeping change. It really was. And it was completely unannounced and out of the blue. And I think that they it's it's clear that the the whole fire policy that we've had in place for a little while is is causing some issues. There, I, I honestly just don't think anybody's playtesting. I I really find it hard to believe that they are fucking playtesting any of this with the number of bannings that have happened. I mean, if you look at the number of standard bannings, there were two big bannings that happened with what was it, um, Stoneforge, Mitchstick, and Jace. Over <laughs> that was like the only standard banning. For like, I remember seeing the the graphic that you're referencing. Yeah, you know, it was like where it was two bannings over like years. 2009 to 2017. Yeah. And then there's been like 20 since yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so it's just one of those things like if you're going to release a product and you're going to release a game, you, you need to do better. I mean, mm -hmm. this has not affected us because we don't play standard, but I can see how frustrated standard and pioneer players and people who are relying on arena to get their, their magic fix, you know? Right. I can only imagine what the backlash would be if you had something like the SCG tour still happening in person, you know, that, I mean, people would go fucking ape shit if, you know, one week you've got the best deck in the format and then they ban four cards and then, Hey, what do you know? Six months later, they're banning two or three more cards. Six months later, there's more bannings. Like sh you shouldn't have to worry about that as a player in a format that they quote unquote test for it really that said coming from just having conversations with lgs owners about other games this is the exact thing that happens in Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah like they 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 print a hyper competitive strategy and everyone shells out bazillions of dollars because they need the new hotness in order to compete and then they print the shit out of it to tank the secondary market and then lather rinse repeat yeah and they print something that invalidates it, and the cycle continues. Yeah, I mean, it just, for me, just seems like massive amounts of mismanagement for the game. Luckily, you know, since the bannings that we had in Vintage last year, and some unbannings with, like, you know, Misstep finally getting hit, Grave Troll, mm -hmm. you know, it seemed like the format is in a really good spot. Yeah, I, I really like Vintage yeah, right now. Yeah, well, and, you know, obviously, we weren't playing during the Luris era, because we don't play online, but that was... But we sure as fuck watched yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, well, it was reined in pretty quick, too. I mean, it was, what, less than a month before they banned it out of the format? I think so, yeah. It was pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, so it was pretty quick. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it didn't really change a lot for us, but people who are, right. are more engaged in other formats, I can see how it would be very, very upsetting. And honestly, like, there's been a lot of bannings in Legacy. You know, like, I'm just fucking exhausted, man. Like, I, I have so little interest in playing Legacy, like, Paper Legacy at all. Like... Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much done with the format. I sold off. I don't, you know, I think I told you is I, I decided to sell off a bunch of cards for legacy just because I don't find the format interesting. I don't enjoy playing blue decks, so I don't find it fun and interactive to just lose to fucking eight force days dot deck, you know, where I just don't even like, I've literally played games where I haven't resolved a spell and I just, I don't want to play blue. It's not my thing in that format. I like playing blue and vintage. That's, you know, kind of where my niche is there, but it feels like I like playing blue and vintage too. Tlaren Academy makes blue. So does Mox Sapphire. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the extent. That's right? the extent of your blue. <laughs> Trinisphere has a blue background. <laughs> it's purple. Oh, okay. Anyway, so but you know, it, it's interesting. Is that I? Is it bad that I have that memorized? <laughs> no, you've played a lot of Trinispheres and and arguably I, a lot of them against me. But yeah. But the thing that I notice is like there seem to be two camps with Legacy, like. There's the hardcore Blue Stew players that they want to play their show-and-tell deck. They want to play their Delver deck. They want to play four-color Astrolabe or five-color Astrolabe dot deck with Blood Moon in the sideboard because that totally makes sense. And that's what they want. That's that's what they want out of the game. And then there's the other camp of players where it seems like the general mood is that they're just fed up. Like, there's similar play patterns, the homogenization of deck building, and the bannings are just exhausting. Like, I just can't imagine Legacy ever being, you know, as big as it was back in 2014. I think we've kind of like, that was when we hit the peak. The format was great. We had, you know, 2015, 2016 were pretty good that we did have some some things with like, yeah. you know, some cons cards that stuck around I was, I was pointing to more like 20, like early 2016. Yeah. You know. As being like, well, you know, peak. Deathrite Shaman was kind of starting to really dominate the format by that point. But I feel like we, we had a really good format and it just with now with Force of Negation, you know, Force of Will, Days, Ponder, Brainstorm, Preordain, just... Like, basically, right before Top Miracles took over yeah. was, like, peak legacy yeah. for well, me. Well, and, and the events were very large. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I know that you and I talked about this the other day, where... Freezing my nuts off in fucking Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, you know, GP Louisville, <laughs> GP Vegas, even, I thought, was, like, was a... Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, it was a large event. You know, we had, what, like, 1,100 legacy players in that GP? Maybe more? For, it was It was very big. You know... But the thing is, they can't even get 64 players in the MTGO Legacy Challenges anymore. They had to lower the number <laughs> as 32 for the minimum to fire. Yep. And I just don't understand how people keep saying, oh, the format's healthy, the format's healthy. Well, there are more people playing in the Vintage Challenges than there are in the Legacy Challenges. Now, granted, that's because it's no more expensive to play Vintage Online actually, than it is to play Legacy. It's actually cheaper in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, you do have to wonder... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, outside of maybe playing, like, FNM, like, I'll probably still play FNM at Atomic, mostly because the decks that I play in Legacy, or that I've decided to keep, rather, have cards that I use in Vintage and in Hyper Extended. Like, I I'm, I use Mox Diamonds all the time in Hyper, and, you know, they're in both of the Legacy decks that I play. I use my Tabernacle in Vintage all the time, so I'm not getting rid of, getting rid of that. So it makes no sense for me to get rid of Lands or to get rid of Tesserator because... Essentially, I can play both of those decks in Hyper and 606, Legacy 606, in some form or fashion. Now, I have heard that people have been playing on you know, Skype events and things like that. But from what I've seen, they're not getting large numbers of people, say, like, you know, events like LobsterCon that are coming up, Gen Con, you know, kind of being online, things like that. So... It just really, you know, it's one of those things to me where I don't think the format's healthy. I know that there's a lot of podcasts that talk about how great Legacy is, how great the format is. I would bet you dollars to donuts that every fucking one of those podcasts, every one of those people plays a brainstorm deck. And they just assume that everybody else sees it the same way that they do. I've been tracking some of the stats on this and like... Out of the top 32 decks in challenges since, I think I've been tracking it since like first week of April, the format is between 75 and 82.5% of the format 
in top 32 is some mixture of ponder, brainstorm, force of will. It's not always, it's not always, you know, all 12, but it is always at least eight of them. Well, I know at least one person that's on a legacy podcast that's fed up with it. Is that Nate Gallia? Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to Nate. You're a G. Yeah, we love you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I think Nate has a lot of really good points about legacy and I, and I do really think that he has his pulse on the format as a whole in, in a way kind of yeah. like what we do as far as like he's not in that the other half of the format it's just everything's fine we get to play brainstorm ponder and force a will and just sit and jack each other off constantly countering each other's spells for nothing <laughs> and then just cantripping three times a turn so you know what are some things like I, you when i met you it was mm-hmm. 2016 i think so about four years ago we met up a while ago we met up at an event in south carolina mm-hmm. a legacy event i think that you were playing infect at that time i Maybe. had quite a few legacy decks at that point did you okay i might have been playing infect i played a lot a lot a lot of infect yeah when i was big into legacy infect was my was my baby and i i pimped it out the way that I pimp decks out. There's no foils. There's no insane shit, but there's like signed beta berserks and I had guru basics Yeah, and like everything else was original printings. And like that was, it was just clean. And that's the way that I like to build a deck. And like I had a fully signed standstill deck that was completely foil when you saw me with as many old border foils in it as I could get into the deck. And, you know, we met. And I told you that foils were for seagulls and children. You did. Actually, that was like our you you were watching me play a game and you watched me have rest in peace in play and eventually play rest in peace helm combo against a Tin Fins player and when I got done with the match, I remember you saying that is the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen because I had rest in peace, humility in play and then played a helm of obedience to win the game. And, you know, the I remember just seeing like crazy shit like that constantly. And we used to get like 32 people once a month to play in events mm-hmm. down there. I remember. You know, it's just, that's gone. I think that those days, like even the really hardcore legacy guys that I know down there, they still own decks, but they don't, they're not firing their monthlies even. Because nobody wants to play. Nobody wants to play. I'm just curious, like what would bring you back into the format, Rich? Like what, what are some of the cards that you would, you would need to see go that you think realistically could go? Obviously Brainstorm's not going anywhere. It's the Hindu cow of the format. They're not going to touch it. By all metrics, the card should be gone. It really should. I mean, we can both agree on that. They'll never touch it. It's old border. It's a staple of the format, just like Force of Will. And I'm not saying the Force of Will should go anywhere, but I think that that plays into it is like, it's an old card. It's been around forever. So my my biggest thing, Blood Moon has to matter. I think more importantly is Wasteland. I think... Yes, wa- okay, that's... We're we're talking about the same thing, but yeah, I think, I think Wasteland may actually be a better uh, example. Bottom line, you have to be punished for... Or capable of being punished for playing a greedy mana base. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what I my decks that I, I play prey upon. That is one of just the core pillars of magic as a whole. When you think of what was initially intended. Well, Wasteland has been a pillar of legacy for years. And before that, right. we had Strip Mine as a four of until Wasteland was printed. It's a tentpole, you know, in Eternal Magic. So, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. When you look back at magic from the very beginning, you were supposed to pick 
a color, two colors, maybe three, if you were really adventurous, and put that together, and you do that, and your friends do something else, and you just slap each other silly. Well, there were color hosers as well. You know, right. you had things like Blood Moon was... You were punished both for going too hard in a color, and you were also punished for broadening out too much. Yeah. And it was supposed to be this meaningful deck building exercise that I think has kind of gotten lost in in Legacy specifically. Now, we could talk until the cows come home as to why this exists in Legacy and not in Vintage. Well, they're kind of they're kind of apples and oranges a little bit. The the formats are. Yeah. That's what it really boils down to. Like we we could get, you know, deep into why that's the case, but I I don't think this is the time or place for that. No, maybe to, maybe to a future date we get into that. But my biggest thing is hosers have to matter. Yeah, be it wasteland, be it chalice of the void. I understand that people think these are not fun cards. Blah 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 blah. But it really boils down to making meaningful deck building decisions. Because if all we're doing is taking all of the best cards in a vacuum and slapping them together, it's held together by cantrips. Playing against somebody else. That's doing the exact same thing. Why bother? There's no. It's because wait, wait, wait hold on. I'm gonna do it. No I'm gonna do it. Hold there's on, Rich. No meaningful decision hold on, Rich. To do. I'm gonna do it. Don't do because it. Don't quote do unquote, it. okay, it's skill intense. End quote. Oh, skill intense. I think my spine just slid out my anus. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was some of the the remaining brain cells you have left just yeah, sliding to... out of your ass. <laughs> Please, please don't ever, ever, ever call can tripping and all that shit skill intensive. Like it's not just ever. But that's the I know that's it isn't. The defense, but even in jest, that's the defense that people make in in legacy as to why it's okay is because it it's, makes me want to. That, that mentality makes me want to kick a puppy. I just. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is, but that's the. I think that's part of the problem with with Legacy is that it's quote unquote the skill intense format that people keep throwing that term around. I literally have a brainstorm with the word skill intense written on it that I play against people <laughs> just to shit on them. <laughs> I've seen this brainstorm; it's really funny. <laughs> so the thing for me, like the cards that I I would absolutely think need to go. Like, I think Delver needs to go. I do. I think mm-hmm. the shell just... there. It's a distinct problem. The the fact that the best aggro creature in the format is blue... Make Werebear a threat dude, again. Dude, make fucking Nimble Mongoose good again. Jesus Christ. Whoa, like, set you know, the goose loose. When was the last time you saw a Nimble Mongoose in Legacy? I don't know. I haven't played Legacy in like a year and a half. Oh, that's fair. I think Delver needs to go. I think Ponder needs to go. If they're not going to take Brainstorm... Get rid of Ponder. While we're on this, I had a very interesting conversation with uh, another local Eternal Magic player, Mickey Mouse, as we call him. Oh, Mickey, yeah. Here in Charlotte. And we were talking about the differences between Ponder and Brainstorm and why he thinks that Ponder is a bigger offender than Brainstorm is. And we've got enough to talk about tonight, but he ended up kind of convincing a little bit. Yeah, I've been of the mindset recently, like obviously I just, I, nothing would make me more rock hard than seeing Brainstorm get banned. I've accepted that it'll never happen. I will scream it from the rooftops until the day I stop playing Magic that it should not exist in Legacy. But The day that that ever happens, we will have to be calling you just for wellness checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just 
just like around the clock every four hours is it down yet yeah is it oh, down it was yet like when they, it was like when they un, they restricted misstep and unrestricted fast bond in the same day oh my I thought god I, was, I thought i was literally gonna have a heart attack so that, that was a really good day in magic it was it was <laughs> that bnr announcement we were we were all over the moon it was fantastic yeah oh yeah so but I, I do I agree. I actually think that Mickey and I actually talked about it the last time I saw him. Okay, but, so you've you've had the same yeah. conversation. Well, and because and he and I reached the the point that with cards like Dreadhorde Arcanist being in the format, mm-hmm. ponder you don't get ponder locked no. like you get brainstorm locked. You just fucking shuffle. Right. Mm-hmm. So and and Dreadhorde was kind of a linchpin of the the discussion. Yes, yeah. and, and great. It, it it really changes the texture of the two cards yes the on the other side of it i think that we also we're living in an eight force world between force of will and force of negation so you are never fucking resolving a chalice of the void on turn one there's no point in trying to anyway because everything costs more than one it's been yeah every legacy has shifted to a two and three drop so chalice is no longer a check in the format other than that it slows down cantrips. and I'll, Which gives me zero interest in playing in the format because yeah. I love playing Chalice of the Void. I do as well. I mean, that's why I still have yet to get rid of Tesserator. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> I love playing Chalice decks and I'm not I, ashamed to say it. I do too, man. Like, I honestly, I, I actually think that decks like lands and ch- Chalice decks other than Moon Stompy take way more skill of sequencing than a blue deck could ever do because you can't sculpt your hand turn after turn. You are literally living and dying off of the top deck. Since we lost top, non-blue decks don't have a way to manipulate. You know, top died for Terminus, but whatever. So back in my day, we lived and died by the top deck and we liked it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, maybe I am just like that. You young whippersnappers got it all made with your ponders and brainstorms and arcade dread hordes and whatever the hell those things are (laughs) back in the day we drew a card and we liked it so when i got back in in like 2011 2010 2011 i don't remember exactly when it was whatever time that like liliana and gristlebrand and shit got printed i remember reading the card ponder while watching people play one night and was like what in the actual fuck like how could you actually print this and have brainstorm be in the same format and it used to be okay because the format was so one drop centric you had cards like chalice trinisphere you had stacks decks that were able to keep these things in check we have gone so far past that that the only things keeping blue decks in check are other blue decks and the fact that people can't can't see that drives me crazy so I think Astrolabe, Oko, True Name Nemesis, Gristlebrand, and Ponder. Like, if those five cards were to go, I have other cards on my list, but if those five cards, if they just did a sweeping, mm-hmm. like, these are fucking gone, I honestly think that Legacy becomes a better format. You know? You, I can see that. You don't need eight to 12 cantrips if you have eight Force of Wills. That's my thing. Like, either hit one or the other. Hit Force of Negation out of the format or hit Ponder. Because you mm-hmm. can't have that much in one color. I mean, unless you're going to give me a Chalice of the Void that is, like, XX and it doubles it so I can Chalice on two for two mana. What? Or, sorry, that's just X, not XX. Then there's no point you know like i'm gonna have to chalice one chalice two then maybe i can actually get somewhere in a game but it's just one of those things and then they abrupt decay one of them and you flip the table and oh wait sorry that's me oh yeah 
no. That's why, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's, you know, we, we constantly are shitting on legacy, but I really think it's because both of us care about the format in a way. Like, we that was how you and I met. Like, a lot of the hacks, it's mm-hmm. because of legacy. We pulled other people in because of old school and vintage eventually. But for sure, it is, yeah. You know, legacy was kind of the cornerstone format for people that are kind of in our age bracket where mm-hmm. we're not on the grind. And I would love, I would love to play Legacy. If things were to change, I would play again in a heartbeat. I love Legacy and the Legacy community as a whole, regardless of how much you know people argue about the format and cards and all of that stuff. I'd, I'd really want to take a second to mention the fact that the Legacy format is kind of a family. People either know each other or know of each other, and it's... People do great things for each other. It's the one format other than old school where I've seen genuine caring and charity. Mm -hmm. And it's because of seeing that that I rail on the format so hard because I want that to be something that people feel is approachable and worth doing again. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I, I'm I, not saying I'm not ever going to play again, but I'm definitely not going to buy play sets of playables. Like even things that were remotely playable. I mean, you, you, right. you've you known me for years and I've always had a fairly large collection of playables that I was always willing a to loan A veritable out. dragon's horde. Yeah. I mean, you know, I when people were like, hey, I need to borrow this. And it was like, oh yeah, I do actually have that card. Oh, I have it four or eight of them you know like i don't have a collection like some of these more enfranchised players but i was a very enfranchised legacy player right where i could hand out whole decks or like oh hey you need a play set of these i have that here go ahead you know and i'm not going to be buying that like that anymore like unless it's Mm -hmm. vintage playable i won't be you know vintage playable in the decks that i enjoy playing like I'm not a Xerox player. I mean, I can admit that. Like, that's just not who I am. I like playing Degenerate Combo. I like playing, you know, Lands Variants and things like that. But I just don't see myself buying four ofs of things, you know, that aren't vintage playable like I used to in Legacy. Like, I just don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to jam my, like, 2018 Tesserator list or my, you know, 2019 Lands list. Like, I I just, I sold G.G. Allen Jund. That hurts. That I did. I mean, I was just like that. Really hurts. I loved that deck. That was that was my deck. It was very. It was almost all signed. It was very pimp, you know. And power bottom when uh, when I came to the realization of like I'm not gonna play enough legacy. If I'm gonna play lands, I'm just gonna play lands. I'm not gonna play GG Allen Jun because the deck just can't compete with an in an eight force world. Smallpox is not where you want to be at. I loved that deck so much. Oh, I know everybody did it. Was, I wanted it to. I I rooted for it so hard. I wanted it to be a thing. It was a good deck. Well, I mean, I went four and three, five and two, and some some events with it. You know, I did fairly well with the deck. It was competitive, and it just fell off the map with Modern Horizons and mm-hmm. the printings that just came into the format that just made right. made the deck non-competitive anymore. So I ended up selling a lot of the pieces. I kept some of them for things like. EDH to play with my nephew and Aussie Highlander, which mm-hmm. I enjoy. I know you don't like, but I, I'm not going to be buying cards for Legacy. I, right. You know, unless it goes into Lands or Tesserator. Like, the only reason I own Okos right now is because there is a chance that I play Bug in Vintage. You're, and you're just a horrid person. I really like Deathrite Shaman in Vintage. I don't like it in Legacy, but I love it in Vintage. But you know what doesn't, you that. know what doesn't suck like Legacy, Rich? Vintage? Yeah, vintage man, fucking vintage. Give me vintage just every day. Ah, so, injected straight into my veins. I know, I know. So 
I recently made some some pickups to my vintage collection, Rich. <laughs> you sure did. So I have had one bazaar of Baghdad forever that like probably I don't know two almost mm-hmm. two. Whenever I met Patsy, Patsy traded me one forever, a whole two years. Yeah, probably okay. So it's pro- <laughs> you know for like two years. I was gonna say since I've been playing my fast bond lands list mm-hmm. in old school. So for as long as I've been playing that, I've I've had one, and I never really had the bug to like finish the playset of them until recently when this bizarre aggro deck came out. <laughs> So I bit I bit the bullet. I traded out a bunch of stuff, my legacy stuff, and finished my playset of bazaars. Watching you and Rusty play that mirror, incidentally, I just it bothered me so much. <laughs> oh, I, I'm aware. You looked. You it was look- just two ships passing in the night. Oh, it's just like you. It's just like two people like running straight at each other to start slapping each other. It's like whoever whoever has the more broken opener wins. <laughs> it's like watching a game of Ookie Cookie. <laughs> It's, I, what the fuck is Ookie Cookie? It, you've you've probably heard of it of a different name, but there is a cookie or a cracker in the center, and everyone does their business, and the last person to finish has to eat it. Oh, Limp Biscuit. Hey, what the hell would you want me to say? I'm gonna lie that I can't deny. Yeah, there's literally a band called, named after this. That's disgusting. Why the fuck would you bring that up? No, because that's what watching bizarre aggro mirrors looks like. What it, what it felt like, yeah. Like neither of you gives a fuck what the other person's doing. <laughs> you and you're both playing like a bazillion forces, so you just like force the relevant shit, and then occasionally, like it comes. There's a down lot of wastelanding and strip mining that happens. Yeah, swinging, which you know, to be fair, is is peak hacks magic, yeah. but like. <laughs> <laughs> it eventually ends up like you you block each other's hollow ones and you swing a memnite into a basking fucking root wall uh, <laughs> and like just just coasting across the finish line and it's just oh my god the deck is nothing but I free hate, spells that's what it is i hate that mirror yeah with the passion of a million suns but that said it's a bunch of free spells and bizarre baghdad and it, it's just it's hilarious it's it's a super really different. It, it is a really cool deck so and it loses its ass to eldrazi yes. so yes it does <laughs> i'm always okay with this so yeah i could not beat turn one sphere Ever. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I bought them essentially as, you know, just expanding my vintage collection, mm-hmm. tra- traded into to them as well. What I've realized is Dredge kind of sucks. So I have Dredge fully assembled. A little bit. I have Bizarre Aggro. But the question that I keep coming back to is since I bought them is like, is Bizarre Aggro too good? Like the deck is absurdly powerful against even like PO and Storm. Like, And I think time will tell on that one. Yeah, I agree, because Rusty's finishing his playset of Bazaars as well, just to play this deck. And I know if Rusty is is going to invest in a deck as hard as hardcore as he is with this, that it's because he thinks that it is a tier one strategy that can win. Because when I asked him why he was buying Bazaars, it wasn't because of Dredge. He was like, dude, fuck Dredge, I'm not playing that deck. He was like, I want to play Bizarre Aggro. And at first, we you know we talked about it on an uh, earlier cast. Like We thought, oh, cool, the deck's pretty cool looking. Yeah, you know, it's putting up some numbers. But when you actually, like, pilot it, or, like, I was watching Rusty play it in one of the, the FNMs we had, and he was just 
fucking ranching people. Like it's it's an absurdly powerful strategy. But I I think that for right now, my mindset is is like it's on par with the power level of vintage. That could change, obviously. I think that there's still enough change and innovation going on that it isn't time to hit something. Yeah. Well, the thing that I really like about where Vintage is at right now, and one of the reasons that I wanted Bazaars, is there are four different Bazaar Baghdad decks in mm-hmm. Vintage. We've got Dredge, we've got the the Hollow Vine deck, Survival, and then the, the deck that we're going to talk about here in a second is the Hogak deck, this Hogak Vine deck. Now, this- There's also one more that you didn't mention that's also on the show notes. We'll get there. Don't spoil. No spoilers. Okay. So it is a bizarre deck. It is a bizarre deck. It is the fifth. It is the fifth one to pop up. But so kind of going into this, this Hogak deck, I, the instant I saw it, I started buying pieces for it because (laughs) it does everything that I want to. And it plays, it is really cool. It plays my two favorite dual lands, Rich. Do you know what my two favorite dual lands are? Well, I, I knew Bayou was, but I didn't know Savannah was the other one. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at my fast bond deck in old school, it's, it's Bayou you in savannah like i'm I'm, i i could see you as a junk player yeah oh i mean i would absolutely play junk in legacy if it were actually a fucking deck anyway that's neither here nor there but this ah dgen cast a junk player and a dega player complaining (laughs) about the state of magic for 12 fucking episodes i i do i do play some jund too and i think i've seen Mm -hmm. you play uh, you know i've I've seen you play your fair share i've played a little bit of everything but like in my in my heart of hearts dega does everything that i ever want to do in magic and when i first came back after quitting for years from when i was a child to really and i almost would characterize it as starting to play magic like i played when i was a kid tabletop and all that stuff but I, I didn't really like play play like like I do or like I did after I came back. But my first deck was a Dega mid range standard deck. Yes, with four brain maggot and four thought seas and butcher of the horde. That's awesome. That that deck was insane, and I just I loved it. It was hand disruption. It was all sorts of crazy tricks with blood soaked champion and butcher of the horde and like yeah. So you're you're, you're very entrenched in in the style of magic that you like playing yes like i i have for me it's always a been pile it, oh fuck you yeah for me it's <laughs> always been junk or jund or kind of what i i gravitate mm-hmm. towards i mean so anyway this this hogak vine deck we're running our four bizarre baghdad we're running one of my pet cards recently has been basking root while i've been trying to jam it in everything in legacy 606 in fucking uh extended i've just been trying to jam it and everything so it's got four root walla four blood gas a card that i know you like <laughs> uh four death right shaman is that do you know that i like it because it has a double black casting cost yes that's why <laughs> okay. it share it shares the casting cost with sinkhole and him to Torek. yes correct <laughs> so death right shaman which i love in vintage hogak arisen Nec- necropolis it's got hollow ones four stitchers what's that last supplier. word again necropolis right yeah yeah necropolis what did i say what you stumbled over it pretty hard (laughs) yeah four hogak arisen necropolis four hollow one fuck you i've been drinking four stitcher supplier four vengevine two cabal therapy force of vigor mental misstep once upon a time black lotus mox emerald mox jet that's kind of the main deck shell that's around so it's not a force of will 
Force of Will deck. It is definitely very heavy on Graveyard Recursion. It's really cool. It is a really cool deck. I, I need to pick up a play set of Blood Gas. I got rid of mine very stupidly when I purged a bunch of shit from Legacy. So I have to rebuy them again. Great. Go me. But this is a deck that I definitely will be busting out at some point in one of our FMs. I think the deck... Probably not with two Tabernacles like this list, though. Yeah, I only have one Knackle. So, but, you know, we'll find... We'll figure something That's out. That's Moto for you. Yeah, that's Moto. You know, person who plays this deck doesn't actually own two Tabernacles because they're poor. Or even four Bazaars. So, anyway. It's a banana, Michael. <laughs> what could it cost? $10? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it's a very cool deck. I, I'm interested to see... It's been putting up some results. You know, it's been showing up in challenges and leagues and stuff. So... Clearly, the power level is there, and you know, I, it's one that I look forward to playing. I'm actually really glad that I picked up some bazaars, and I'm glad that Hogak is back in the format. You know, we saw it briefly, kind of in Dredge, but it is really, really nice to see like a dedicated Hogak deck. So, now you mentioned a fifth deck. That Fuck uses Hogak. So you mentioned there's a fifth deck that uses Bazaar of Baghdad Rich. I did. I did. Have you heard about this Bazaar Paradoxical Outcome deck? Like what? Yeah, in I, th the I think it's actual. Fuck. So this is Justin Gennari special. What's the I actual name the, of the deck? The kid. I think the kids on Twitter are calling it the Riddler, ah, okay. named after a card called Riddlesmith. It's one and a blue for a two-one. Whenever you cast an artifact, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Okay. Okay. So there's that and Oval Chase that, that sounds like a Mirrodin card. I don't remember what the original printing was give me two seconds in double masters yeah but that just came out and that's all reprints correct we're gonna be cutting a lot of this scars of mirrodin there we go. hey there we go i said mirrodin so Good man, you did it. I'm proud of you. So Riddlesmith, kind of where the, the the Riddler comes from. There's a card, Oval Chase Daredevil. Mm -hmm. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may return Oval Chase Daredevil from your graveyard to your hand. So it's it's a very similar role to oh shit, what's the name of the the fucking goblin? Goblin Nabob. Squee. Squee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's it's, the black it's, squee. Yeah, it's it's can we say that or is, is as, like are the social justice? No, you for sure can't say us. that. You got to cut that. But but Oval Chase Drag. <laughs> Oval Chase Daredevil takes over kind of the squee role since this isn't playing red. Yeah, but it, it does a similar thing with Bizarre Baghdad where you you activate Bizarre, you discard your Daredevils, you play an artifact, you get your Daredevils back. And it's, it's a way of negating the card disadvantage of Bizarre Baghdad just to churn through your deck. Yeah. Yeah, as cool tag, you know it's it's playing the the other creatures. Of course, are four hollow one. And aside from this, you see kind of a bit of a well, it, it's a it's a PO deck. So you see your typical PO offenders in ancestral recall, G probe, two repeals, a D tutor, merchant scroll, time walk, tinker, yog will, PO, force of will, treasure cruise. Notably absent. Well, actually, treasure cruise is not one that gets played in PO as often as you'd think. I think it's actually because this is oh, a okay. bizarre of bad. Baghdad deck that is why this card works so well. Yeah, I think I think the card's really good. Yeah, I do too. You know, you're seeing when a lot of things turning like that much into your graveyard. Yeah, you've got like the Vault Key combo. You've got Bolus's Citadel. It doesn't have Tinkerbot in the main deck. The bot is in the sideboard. Right, but well, that's that's because it's going for Bolus's Citadel though. Yeah, like, but it is really cool to see a deck that has four bazaars and a Talarian Academy next to each other the way that God intended. <laughs> I so it, it always irks me and I, I know that 
you you and I disagree on this. Whenever I see a PO list with the this kind of combo potential and no tendrils of agony in it, but yeah, dude, it just doesn't work, man. It's too greedy. <sighs> mm-hmm. And of course, this one's playing two knuckles too. And you know me, I'd... I would play brain freeze over tendrils because it's way funnier to deck your opponent. <laughs> so yeah, it's a very very cool deck, very creative. I will say that this is. Mm-hmm by far one of the most I think creative really decks cool. I've seen in a really <laughs> long time. I actually kind of coincidentally own all of this, except for the Riddlesmith and the Oval Chase Daredevil. So, and I love looking at deck lists on MTG Goldfish because MTG Goldfish claims that this deck is $45,000 in paper. Really? Yep. Huh. That just made me a little hard, and that makes me feel awkward. Anyway. I mean, I can, I can kind of see where they came from. You know, three UCs, four bizarres, full set of power. Yeah, that's true. Is there, there, Knack- there knackles. Is a time twister? Is there? <laughs> the, there's no time twister. The two okay. knackles so on the sideboard. <laughs> they're playing all of the real power. Yeah. Yeah, a pair of knackles. Like, yeah, right. it's expensive. I can, I, can, I can get to it. Yeah. Well, so this, com- this brings up a question that I wanted to ask you is, do you think that Bizarre of Baghdad is too good right now? No. Okay. So my thing is, is that like, I see people constantly saying that like workshop and bizarre should have been restricted forever ago, you know? And I, it's, I know that these, these kinds of things lead to like feel bads, you Mm -hmm. know, because you feel like you can't really do anything. And the thing to me is I feel like bizarre of Baghdad enables things kind of like lion's eye diamond does lion's eye diamond in legacy is an an incredibly powerful card. And I was going to point that out. So, uh, the question that I was going to ask you was why is tinker fine in hyperextended it's restricted why would tinker be fine in hyperextended because jars jar is restricted and you don't have blight steel your best creature jar is the best thing that you can grab and it's only situationally good you could get phyrexian colossus arguably and do like some things with key but it's not good right the the point is that it's an enabler and unless the thing that you're enabling is good then it doesn't really matter yeah and so i think if you if you were to take something from the bizarre decks you would take home because i think that that's really the egregious payoff yeah i think that if there is going to be a restriction if big if here it would be hollow man gets restricted and we'll have sad kevin bacon day so (laughs) i i just (laughs) i just you know i don't think it's too good i think there's so many ways to interact with it and Mm -hmm. force of vigor is a card you can hit Mm -hmm. two of those motherfuckers with a force of vigor i get yes you know probably against your jeskai deck it's just gonna kick your shit in you know if they have a double hollow one opener but like matt's Dark Depths list Mm -hmm. is just going to destroy a Hollow One deck. He's going to go, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'll crop rotate for Tabernacle. Go sack him in your upkeep. Make Merit Lage. Yeah, and then make Merit Lage (laughs) on the same turn. You know, he'll block. So you know, that's the thing that I kind of just wonder is like, is it because people are playing the wrong color combinations that like green has Force of Vigor, you know, like blue has Force of Will? Like, should people be playing more green? To deal with the hollow one problem. So maybe, I don't yeah, know, maybe that's it. But my two cents is, is that if they restrict bizarre and vintage and don't ban brainstorm and legacy, there really is no God. <laughs> that's really, that is really that what brings it brings the ban brainstorm count to four. I think, Oh God, dude, just fuck that card. It's been a lot, but no, I, I don't see bizarre getting restricted. I, I don't either, but I do, I do think that people, there are enough people complaining about it to where something's going to get hit 
Watsy talks a lot about, you know, we we ban the enablers, but frankly, in Eternal formats, that kind of invalidates the reason to play Eternal formats, right? Yeah. Because your enablers and your crazy things are why you gravitate towards those formats. Precisely. Particularly in Vintage. It's Bazaar of Baghdad. It's Mishra's Workshop. It's Power. It's ble- it, like Like, have you read Ancestral Recall? It cards insane. You don't have to discard cards after you play it like you do with bizarre it's to play these insane powerful cards that enable these crazy strategies and you know we we see we see some of this band stuff happening now with the fact that we seem to think that look at me i'm the dci is an effective design strategy if you don't know what i'm referencing go look up the art for the uncard look at me i'm the dci who did who did the art on that are you ready to laugh? Yeah. Mark Rosewater. I'm not going to say what I'm thinking right now. We'll just, we'll just. Uh, it's like a napkin doodle. Yeah. No, that I'm, Mark Rosewater I, I'm, did. I'm aware of what the art is. I, I totally forgot he did that, but I'm going to totally just like bite my tongue right now and not say what's on my mind. It's a blindfolded stick figure throwing darts at a dartboard. It sounds like, it sounds like Watsi's playtest group right now. <laughs> anyway. It, it doesn't have to be that way. It just seems that way. So it does bring up like an interesting point about people are very vocal about not liking how strong bizarre decks are. But if you really think about like in vintage, bizarre was maybe played as like a value card, like we like like what I do in in a lot of my oh, old hardly decks ever until the dredge mechanic, and then dredge mm-hmm. made it you know enabled the deck to exist. And obviously, you saw it in like Uba stacks sometimes, like. That's, yeah, and that's what... You right. saw it, and and then aside from Dredge, you didn't really see it until the survival deck popped up. And then... Yeah, that's the, true. These bizarre aggro decks that we see now. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think the format is healthier having more than just one bizarre deck. Like, I, I do. And my thing is, is like... You know, that the old adage, you know, variety is the spice of life. Like, one of the reasons I like Vintage is I don't know what I'm going to see each round. You know, I might round one play against a Dredge player, and then round two I'm playing against, you know, Jeskai Xerox, and then P.O. and Shops, Eldrazi. Like, and if you're playing in paper, everyone's just happy to be there anyway. Yeah, and, and unlike Legacy where... I know that I'm going to play against fucking brainstorm dot deck every goddamn round for fucking eight rounds until I drop. There's so much variance in the format and I like seeing more bizarre decks, you know, and I think that there are cards that are massive hosers against these. And I think that people being very vocal about it are playing strategies that are weak to this and they need to just understand like, Yes, your deck is weak to this strategy. They're so used to just being able to beat the shit out of Dredge games two and three that having a bizarre deck that is much more difficult to interact with that has so many free spells, they just they don't want to give up on like, oh, maybe my Jeskai deck needs to splash for green and more. Maybe I'm a four color Xerox deck, which you can do in Vintage and then get absolutely butt fucked by shops. But it's okay to just have things that you lose to. It is a central tenet of the original design philosophy exactly. of the game. There's exactly. a reason that the red-black color combination cannot blow up enchantments. It still can't. Think about that. Wow, yeah, actually, you're right. Uh-huh. 
Well, and the thing is, green also has a disenchant. We have actually two green disenchants. We have that mm -hmm. new one that is the white-green split one, and then we have... Naturalize. Um, naturalize, yeah. Mm -hmm. But but green and white traditionally can do those things. Yes. Well, the thing is, though, too, is that when people start to look at this from the standpoint, they're used to having one-for-one one trades, you know, or two-for-one trades. And the thing is, is like... You are trading three cards in your hand after you draw two in order to play two hollow one. I mean, just I'm just speaking hypothetically here. You are discarding cards, which might be your blue card that you can pitch to force of will to protect your hollow one or something like that, you know, of that nature. And mm -hmm. swords to plowshares dot deck, you know, if they're playing swords and bolt, you know, what I think bolt has kind of become the 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 removal spell of choice in vintage. Re, you know, which I'm okay with. I love lightning bolt. Yeah. Oh, it's totally fine. You know, when you play Thought Not Seer and your opponent just shits themselves, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. Shh, don't tell them. <laughs> They're not smart enough. They just want to sit and jerk each other off and play all the restricted blue cards. And then they want to bitch about the fact that Hollow One is the problem. I'm not going to lie. They're... Hollow One is kind of a problem, to be fair. I mean, yes, but there are answers. Like, when was last? Bizarre makes that card insane. Like Shattering Spree. Why does that card not see play? Hey, what do you know? Blue deck can actually deal with it, but instead they they don't sideboard for these things. Like I feel like it, decks are cutting on shops hate these days, and they're losing to Hollow One. It does see play, and uh, Justin uh, crap. What's his last name? Justin Franks. Really good Xerox player. Franks. Justin Franks. Yeah. Pushed my shit in with one. Yeah. The card's great. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's a card that should see more play if you're going to play Jeskai. But the problem is people are cutting on shops hate. When was the, like, I don't see energy flux in the sideboard anymore. Or Kataki. Normally, I'd, I would agree with you, but I played against a bunch of energy fluxes in a vintage league with my buddy Zach like two weeks ago. Mickey Mouse. We were, yeah. we were just talking about Mickey Mouse. You know, I, but I'm not, what I'm saying is I'm not seeing as many of them as it used to be. It used to be sure. you had to have dredge hate. You had to have shops hate if you're playing blue. And they're kind of cannibalizing each other again now. And I think that that's what the, what is more important to take away from it. I think right. that it's probably going to get hit in the next year. I hate to say it. Like somebody's going to bitch enough to Watsi and the DC. Well, it's not the DCI anymore. Whatever replaced the DCI. And it's going to get restricted. It sucks. I see. I, I don't think Bizarre is going to get restricted. I no, think I think Hollow One. No, I'm not saying oh, Bizarre. Okay. I'm saying Hollow One. So I, eh, that's not really going to bother me. Well, there is another way to fight Bizarre decks, Rich. And it's a card that I believe is very near and dear to your heart. Is it Blood Moon? It's definitely fucking Blood Moon. I don't think it's very good. <laughs> it's, it's not, but... It's fun, like, you know. It is. I'll give you that. You know, I definitely got my shit kicked in at champs against unpowered bloodmoon.deck round two. So, I mean, it is a strategy that, that can be viable to deal with decks like shops and, you know, bizarre aggro, dredge, those kinds of things. We talked about this at the top of the episode. There is a mm -hmm. new Masters set, despite Wizards saying that they were done with Masters sets. Oh. A big fucking surprise there that, you know, they're going to put out another... Well, I mean, they said they, said they were done with Masters sets, like, maybe, like, a couple... It was, it was a few years ago now, and... I think it was, like, like end of 2018, 2019, maybe? I don't know, but there's, there's been a bunch of Masters sets since then. Yeah, no shit. So, we've got the double bulk rare masters as walker and i have dubbed it after i told walker to can't he ordered he was he pre-ordered a case oh my god and i told him to cancel his order he did he canceled his order okay that's that's good 
Because well, because he thought he was going to be able to just flip a bunch of it until I was like, buddy. Have you looked at this list? Because Rich, I know jokingly I mentioned, you know, what was the most expensive common at the top of the episode being Island. Do you want to know what card is worth more than 50 plus rares in this set? Is it that Island? It is that fucking Island. Now, are we talking foil or are we talking no, non Non-foil, full art Island is worth more than 50 plus rares in this set. Holy shit. <laughs> Now, we, I had maybe had a slightly heated discussion in one of our Facebook chats uh, about how I thought the set was hot fucking garbage for value-wise, and yet people, you know, someone that I'm not going to name still bought one. He actually pulled very well, so good for him. We had another friend pull, do some pulls and do it live, you know, do it on YouTube, <laughs> and that box was worth less than a standard box, mm -hmm. value-wise. His box toppers were worth less than a booster pack. Or no, sorry. His box toppers were worth the price of two of those boosters. Not the EV everybody was talking about, but dude, seriously, $300 boxes and you have 50 fucking bulk rares in it? Like, Look, I, I get that you get two rares in every pack. Nothing is special if everything is special. something rich. that's a clunker, but holy shit. All of the value in this set is in like, what, 10 rares? 15 rares maybe in Mythics? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you i still don't know what all's in this set i saw a 300 price tag and nothing that i was really interested in so we we mentioned it earlier i like original prints so reprints don't really matter to me i will play reprints in things like aussie highlander only because that to me is kind of like a made-up format like i'm never going to play in a sanctioned aussie <laughs> event you know so i don't really care about printings in that so but and, like and like I'll, I'll pick up what's available when I'm first building something, but I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, thank God they reprinted, you know, blah, blah, blah. That was $50 and now it's 20 and I'd buy that one. It's, if it drops the price of the original, then great. I'm going to buy the original. Yeah, same here. And same I'm going to buy it on the secondary market instead of opening it and yeah. You, well, you see where so the problem is. You and I have bought box like so. I bought a box of M twenty one and pulled had just god pulls. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I pulled literally every foil mythic that was worth anything in the fucking set. Yeah, it was a pretty good box. I watched yeah, it. That was, that was an incredible <laughs> box. But and you you know like you bought a box of Modern Horizons when it came out. Had some god pulls and that. But unless we ever three feel, boxes three boxes okay. unless we ever feel like something is really like hey we can just flip this immediately for profit mm -hmm. we don't buy it yeah like the, the last time that I, I even entertained that was aether revolt and that's because you know fatal push was a five dollar uncommon like so this this set has had very poor commons and uncommons compared to other master sets it was all about the fact that there was like things like jace and then they they sweetened it by saying oh well there's these full art things and the box toppers and i'm not sure if you've and seen the, the full art arts are cool they actually like, really I have, are we we do have to take a minute and just talk about you know just because you and i rail on modern magic art so hard i think that we have to take a moment and tip our hats to the art direction for the full arts and the oh, box yeah. toppers and everything oh, yeah. that's because they have that old classic magic art feel to them and so, so know, that, rich, that just warms my cold dead heart rich you can't make fun of me for this but i'm gonna replace my sideboard toxic deluge with the richard kane ferguson toxic deluge in tesserator yeah i'm not even mad like that art is so fucking it's, sick 
and it's Richard Kane Ferguson. The man's awesome. If he, and seriously, guys, if you've never if you've never met Richard Kane Ferguson, oh, he's, highly he's a, highly recommend it. He's a riot. If if you're ever at an event where he's signing or selling merch or anything, go talk we, to him. We had a Get great sign. He's awesome. We had a great opportunity to do that at SCG Con a while back, and he he's just an incredible person to talk to. So yeah. So I will say the art direction for this, like a lot of those full art, you know, primo, you know, premium cards, not all of them, because I will say that the new Chrome Mox looks like a bowel movement that Karn was about to have. But there are several of those that really are just stunning pieces of art. Like the new, the, the full art Thoughtseize, I think is the best art since Lorin. L- Laura Wynn? Laura, <laughs> Laura Wynn. Yes. Whatever. All right. The, or Laura Wynn if we want to be like the fish titty set. Super. <laughs> So anyway, booby ponder. Yes. Yes. Titty ponder. There's some really good art in it. And I, when I first saw it, the set get spoiled. And I was like, man, they're, they've got to be reprinting some stuff from like portal three kingdoms. Nope. I'm not sure if you've seen some of the card prices for these cards. They've only been printed once. It was a very limited print and it happened back when things were still old bordered. And I was so excited at the prospect of some portal three kingdoms cards getting reprinted. But the only one that I, I really saw, you know, like we didn't get Imperial Seal. We didn't get like Capture of Jingzu or some of these other ones that are like EDH and Singleton staples get reprinted. Instead, we got the fifth or seventh fucking reprint of Grim Lava Mancer at rare. We got Ravenous Trap at rare. Sundering Titan at rare. Yeah. I mean, just Jesus Christ. Like there are some blatant cash grabs that wizards is done and i feel bad for anybody that pre-ordered a box of this at 300 dollars. like granted if you keep it sealed and you can flip it in a couple years for 500 bucks man good on you you made the right choice don't fucking open that shit because i just don't think that there is enough value the secondary market has been getting tanked and i'm not gonna lie like watching looking at this set when they were showing it it was like watching a viral video of a school bus on fire with the number of bulk rares that were in it. It's just, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Like Walker, when I told him to cancel it, it was the, like, he had like a day or two before he had to like let them know. And he since then has thanked me because he ended up buying, I think some more CE duels and shit like that. Yeah. And bought everything that he wanted from the set and was like, I am so glad that I didn't buy this. And have you seen the problem with the box toppers? Yeah. Let's talk about that. So they're they're damaged before you even open them. Like I literally saw one. I shit you not, Rich. Yeah, or I, the, like the corners bent ninety degrees. Like yeah. they they are literally just damaged beyond repair. Yeah, there there are some that are bent more than a goddamn Ruffles potato chip before you even open the pack, and that's supposed to be where the big money is in the set. So that to me, and like Wizards had a quality issue on like back with. The, the latest time that we went to Zendikar. And I think we're going back again. I don't really follow the magic oh, story. Geez, so. Neither do I. Like, Fuck. I, we're going back to Zendikar. Great. Can we just have all the yeah. Planeswalkers die? I not keep print asking that card for it. Time? It never happens. <laughs> I don't remember. No, we, we weren't recording when War of the Spark came out. No. But I remember you and I having a conversation. <laughs> and I remember distinctly saying <laughs> that I hope that the overarching story has Nicol Bolas kill all of the Planeswalkers. No, they only killed my favorite Planeswalker. <laughs> Fucking Dak Faden. The only Planeswalker he that Vintage really cared about. He was like the Han Solo of Planeswalkers, and they fucking killed him like a bitch. <laughs> they did. They only killed one Planeswalker, and it was the only one that Vintage players care about. Yeah. 
So outside of that, you know, they have definitely had some print quality issues. It seemed like recently, mm-hmm. like the M21 cardstock, all these cards feel fake to me when I when I touch mm-hmm. them. I have to loop everything I buy now because no, I'm so used to old cardstock. Well, so the reason that I brought up uh, the last time we went to Zendikar was they had a QC issue with a lot of oh, the, the special fo- printing, yeah, the foil, like foil lands, lands right? and everything. Yeah. 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 And, you know, they had a decent setup for that if you had one that came out of the pack. And, like, the in particular, the printing issue was they had kind of, like, a splotchy edge on them. And you could ship them back to Watsy and they'd send you a brand spanking new one. And it was fine. Yeah. But how the fuck are you going to do that when you ship out these box toppers? And I, I made the comment the first time that I opened something that had the box toppers in it. Mm-hmm. And it was just loosely hanging out on top. And I looked at the gap clearances between the packs and the edge of the packaging and all that stuff. And I'm like, it hasn't happened yet. Somebody's going to get a whole case of these that are just mangle yeah and it finally happened yeah in the set with such real big heavy hitters at rare as inkwell leviathan grand architect deep glow skate Kragenwick cremator mana echoes Ooh, ooh, mana echo dude i definitely need that card and when i say yeah. definitely need it like i would rather wipe my ass with it than open one in a pack magus of the abyss i did actually just recently buy one of those for edh no shame hey. Three and a black, just like the just like the abyss. Yeah, yeah, that card. Did but not it can need blow itself up. I did not get a reprint. You know, it didn't need a reprint. There's so many of these cards that like. What about Master Transmuter? Oh, let me tell you. I mean, just a fucking stalwart of every format. But anyway, aside from the terrible choices to tank the prices on, well, pretty much everything in the set. Dude, the secondary market has just been tanked on everything other than the original printings of these cards. And I will say, do not call fucking Dark Confidant with that weird new art Bob. The only Bob is fucking Ravnica Dark Confidant because that is Bob Maher. Bob Maher. That is Bob Maher. You cannot call this new shitty thing Bob. Don't do that to Bob. But anyway, this is this is Skrillex, right? Yeah, Skrillex. But the the kids still call it Bob because they don't understand. Anyway, but the thing is, is like, <laughs> am I out of touch? Hey. No, it's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I, you know that that strikes me about this is like, if you're not an entrenched player, this set is solid gold for you. Like, if you're getting into modern we even saw a force of will reprint you know good you know it makes force of will more affordable if you play edh or you know trying to get into legacy but like as a whole this set tanked the prices on so many things like mana you can get a mana crypt now for under 90 dollars. not my mana crypt not my mana crypt either but the thing the thing is is like is mana crypt like the new tarmogoyf they just include it in every fucking master's set so that they can sell packs because edh players want it but the art on the full art one's fucking cool holy shit the full art mox opals dank too Oh my god, the full art worm coil is yeah. sick. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, look at these. There's some really good art. Look at these fucking cards. Yeah, there's some really... It, <laughs> the show note here is Rich discovers the full art double masters cards. <laughs> I'm looking at a lot of them for the first time. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not even I mean, hide the that. art is very stunning. The color is very good. Like, some of them have almost like a kind of like a retro comic book when I say retro, I mean like 80s and 90s comic book feel to them. 
like not like classic comic books before that but like some of these though like if, if you saw and you know we're we're gonna talk about your favorite card here uh if you saw this brainstorm art in an old frame oh, with the old text it's stunning it's perfect it's it is it looks like it came out of an old set same with Phyrexian well, Metamorph. if we talk about if we talk about my second favorite card blood moon that is the best Blood Moon art since the dark, hands down. Oh my god, the, the it's gorgeous. The Blood Moon art's fantastic. It's gorgeous. Yes. So they really did a great job from the art perspective, but as a whole, I think the set is just Tron Lands. Tron Lands. We can't get yeah. away without well, I mean, talking about yeah, Tron Lands. Teden. I mean, it makes a whole panorama yeah. with Karn, but as a mm-hmm. whole, I just feel like the whole set is a piece of shit. I hate to say that because. The art is so good, but the unless it is the full art printing, these cards are just not worth it. Like they have printed so much shit. Like if you think about it, so we had the Zenikar full art foil lands, we had the invocations, mm-hmm. then we had the Kaladesh invention, and then we started to get into full art cards. It was inventions then invocations. Inventions. I'm, I'm just naming them, Rich. I'm not going in order. Yeah. Then we had like full art cards start to come out. Now we've got full art foils, like the pack art that is in a lot of this. I don't see like the value for these is is in the full art ones, and it's because it's what everybody and you wants. Have, uh, the showcase. Oh yeah, the showcase. And, and like if we're, if we're talking about standard cards, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one of those like if everything is special, nothing is special. You've heard me say it many times. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's print exhaustion, and we're in the middle of a pandemic in an economic recession where people are out of work. There is no paper magic, and just to me, it it, it feels like it's in poor taste. Like I feel like Wizards could have held off until next summer to release this, and not had shitty card stock, and not have all, you know, like I think I've seen 10 to 20% of the box toppers are fucking warped and destroyed before you order them. There, Literally, you can go on TCG Player the day that they were able to start selling cards and you could buy every single box topper damaged for half the price. Every single one. That is not But where are you going to get such, you know, limited icons as Pongify? Don't look it up. Tell me what Pongify does. I've never even fucking heard of that card. It's blue. I don't care. Really don't care. (laughs) It makes an ape. (laughs) Nice. I should get rich tokens. I should get tokens of you as an ape. Destroy a target creature. It can't be regenerated. Its creature creates or its controller creates a 3-3 green ape creature token. Yeah. So it's it's beast within for a single blue because what what should you be able to do in uh, one color that you can't do better in blue? It just, to me, the thing is, is like, it's poor print quality. It's supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, a premium product, which it's not. The card stock is complete shit, but we have baller art. And then, ha- and then these cards are coming out damaged. Like what the fuck? So just to me, I just felt like it was in poor taste for wizards to come out with this set in the current environment. I think they should have just put it off a year because you know, what's half the fun of playing in a, a master set is going and drafting it with people. And like, I mean, there's like lands combo in this, but then I have to talk to people. So, I mean, so the thing is, like, there are great archetypes that are in this set. Like, you can play lands. There's crop rotation. There's exploration. There's thespian stage. There's dark depths. There are... You can play Tron. There's vampire hex mage. There's hex mage, yeah. You can play Tron because there's... The the Tron lands are printed at uncommon. And you have Karn, pantsless Karn. I think common. No, um, common or uncommon. I don't remember, but they... Common. The, the The Tron lands were at common. Okay. 
Mistress Factory was un- was an uncommon. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of really cool shit, you know, and I'm not going to lie. I would love to buy a box of this to draft with people, you know, because there are actual like archetypes and you can tell there's a lot of thought put into just the limited environment. The limited it's, environment. It, it looks like a cool limited. It is a cool limited set. Do I think it's $300 a box? Cool. Fuck no. But, you know, that's my that's my thing is like it's the wrong time for this. They should have waited. So sure. Anyway, I wanted to kind of get into a segment about like what what are you going to miss most about EW? Because I know we talked in like this year was looking for you like we were in that like 60 40 category of 60 we're going 40 we're not. We're like we're moving towards that positive that positive side of things now that Wesley's been a little more stable and you know if the format was where you want, you know, vintage was where you wanted to play and you had the ability to get out of town, you might mostly for the old school. I was sitting here making faces on, on camera, Jamie for a minute. Cause I, I you know, literally had an entire segment of an episode where I talked about taking the year off, but yeah, like there, there was still a chance that I, I, I might've gone and, uh, at least hung out and everything. You had talked about possibly just going up for like Saturday, play Sunday, leave yeah. out Monday. You know, you, you would talk, talked a little bit about the just doing the old school stuff for me more than anything and you you mentioned old school so that that kind of feeds in there it's just the people that's that's really what it boils down to i'm not going to get to see our friends that we've made up from the new england area i'm not going to get to hang out with you know the vintage players that i know the old school players that i know i'm not going to get to see these wonderful people that i've gotten to know over the years because of eternal magic and that really just kind of sucks yeah you know you know it i i I feel that you know there's something about ew that just it's like you know if you're a little kid and you and you go to disneyland like i wasn't Mm -hmm. a kid when i went to disneyland because you know we just couldn't afford to so i don't know what that feeling was like but i've heard from people who actually had childhoods that it was the greatest (laughs) feeling in the world to go to disneyland and like get your photo taken with mickey mouse or something you know like ew for me like as an adult is like my disneyland like I love going. I love the atmosphere. There's just something almost like electric in the air when you're in the room of like you were there with people that love playing the same type of magic that you do. And it's the biggest vintage event of the year. We're not going to get to see Dom. We're not going to get to see DJ. We're not going to get to see Jayco. I'm not going to get to laugh while making extremely questionable financial decisions at Cal's booth. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh, God, man, I am going to miss I, I'm going to miss not seeing Cal this year. And, it, and it's one of those things like, you know, I've I've only gone for the last three years. And, you know, like last year we had like, I don't know, 10, 12 people in an Airbnb. It was amazing. The whole experience was amazing. Aside from me pulling a lady out of a burning car, that kind of sucked. But the rest of it was was awesome. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a story. And you can hear about that one on a previous episode of the DJ and cast. If this is your first one. Yeah. Uh, go back and listen to the back catalog because, well, I'm not going to guarantee that we're hilarious, but we uh, we talk about some shit. Yeah. And you should listen to it. For me, there are three things that I will miss the most. I will miss getting to see the artists and get cards signed. Because, I mean, you know I'm a junkie for getting cards signed. Like You love your defaced cardboard, I, yes. I love damaged cardboard. You know, I love... Well, I think a lot of it is just, like, talking to the artists. And I have mm-hmm. more of that nostalgia for, like, getting old cards signed than new cards. And I do have to say that I understand getting cards signed by the artist in person at events and being able to have an actual conversation. Yeah. My my big signed cards thing is with the whole mail order thing, because I, I, that I don't understand. I do but. that as well, but it's mostly for artists that don't go to events. So 
I enjoy the the aspect of getting cards signed. Like, you know, talking with Mark Poole at GP Atlanta last year, like I know his son because he used to work at the game store in South Carolina that you and I both have played at many times. You know, mm-hmm. talking to Marcus down there about like how how's school going, how's life, you know, being able to talk to Mark about, you know, he's he's a, a big um Warhammer forty K guy, you know, like how's that been going? I'm gonna miss that. Like that that part is very cool. Sitting and chatting with Richard Kane Ferguson while we wait, you know, the twenty minutes or whatever for paint yeah. pen to dry because he signs his card or he signs cards in paint pen. Yeah. And, because it's a better quality. And in and he has one of the best signatures in the game, I will say. Mm-hmm. You know. Sitting and talking to Mark Tadine. Yeah. Getting my chaos orb signed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's there's just something about it. Like I love getting mm-hmm. old cards signed, especially. So you know, the other thing is is outside of old school, like yes, I'm gonna miss that I don't get to play paper vintage, but like the old school event at EW has been it's like a family gathering. Yeah, it's it's like a family reunion that happens every year. The first time that I went, I I didn't know who Jaco was. I had never met Shaman Ben. I didn't know Mark, uh, Mark Brothers. Yep. God, is he handsome? Uh- <laughs> oh my God, dude! All right, so I just got to say this: like, if I was gonna hook up with any anybody in the old school community, I would definitely go gay for Mark. <laughs> He's just so muscular. Shit. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know any any of the lords. I didn't know was it Urbano or Urbano? Urbano. Brian Urbano. Brian out in uh out in California. Yeah, you know he you know he he's a big Toyota guy. Him and I have talked a lot about Toyotas. Oh, you're you're both fans of never mind. <laughs> of shitty old sports cars, yes. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, there there's I think the biggest thing that is going to be missed is the gathering. Like right. the part of the game that grinders don't understand, don't give a shit about. They'd rather just rant on Twitter about things. Like for those of us that have been around for a while, it's it's the gathering that really is what's important. Like I don't I don't I've have yet to meet a modern player that is like, oh, I I miss going to modern GPs because of the gathering. Like, I just don't think they have that aspect of the game. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm making a generalization that I don't think sure. that they have that that same sense of like what we do. Where last year with meeting Mark Brothers and hanging out with him more because I I kind of we had been around each other and I met him met him at. Um, the players ball and then a couple months later we're at EW we all end up at the same meatball place that in Pittsburgh that we all love mm-hmm. go up to the beer garden and we're jamming games of old school on the table you know and it, it there's just something about that wandering the city and sitting at a bar and having your your bag next to your leg and having somebody else walk by with their bag realize you have one and look at you and go hey do you play old school yeah exactly and you're just sitting and playing with a complete stranger yeah it's it's amazing i mean it really jamming and having a good time well so speaking of old school we are going to miss ew but there is a large old school event that is coming up yeah and we'll we'll talk about it even though it's atlantic yeah i mean they do like they do like their 10 ply old school up there but the guy that puts on the event dave firth bard um is just incredible the guy's a fucking legend 
I mean, he really is. And he, and he puts up with you and I. So. He does. He does. He's he's a wonderful human being. We're, of course, talking about LobsterCon that is coming up in mm-hmm. September. We, we've we known Dave for a while. I've known Dave since I first met him at the first SCG Con. I met him in person because he was friends with Ash and had been. he's in the Southeast old school My group. My first in-person interaction with him was introducing myself and him going, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in in reference to months of shit posting in uh, the New England old school yes. Facebook group, they, he's a good sport about it. You know, some of the other people are not quite as good sports. But with Dave doing this online, I did not participate in the summer derby. Um, we did have some other hacks do it. I bowed out of it just because it's going week in and week out is a little tough for me to try to schedule a, a match every two to three. I don't remember what the timetable was, but just trying to like schedule them that fast is, has been mm-hmm. a little tough. Lobster Con is going to be on a single day. I think it's going to be September 19th or 20th, something like that. So mid-September. So I, I touched base with, with Dave the instant they announced that it was going to be online and said, look, we would love to make a donation you know, as far as some prize pool cards for the tournament. So Rich, you and I had a very lively conversation, I must say, about what our prize cards should be. I mean, it wasn't that lively. We knew it was going to be strip mines. We just had to figure out exactly what we were going to do with them. (laughs) (laughs) So we are donating a strip mine. They will be shitty and white bordered for the highest placing unpowered deck because we don't want to give unpowered players nice cards. The other the other one, though, is really... Now, we are doing a, a special donation for Dave to auction. And this is where mm. Rich and I came up with this idea. I think this is a idea. really, really cool idea. And it's it's something that I would love to see more more clubs do just as as a way of fostering social interaction so yeah. it's going to be a an antiquity strip mine penis tower we we are doing a tower okay so yeah. we're, we're doing a tower i ordered uh, it two days ago so we're doing a tower art antiquity strip mine we are stamping it so that you know we we have you know this this special marked strip mine and the deal is that if you're at an old school event and you see, initially we framed it as if you see someone in a hack shirt, because most of us usually wear them at events. But if, if you see someone and you know that they're a hack and you know they happen to not be wearing a shirt, that works too. Walk up to us, you know, strike up a conversation. We'll buy you a drink and sign the card for you. And you can do that at any event. Doesn't matter. You're not limited to one drink. We just, you know, we want to foster social interaction. We yes. think it's it's... A neat little way to do that. <laughs> so trying to foster, you know, we, we shit talk about strip mine all the time and we're putting our strip mines where our mouths are. <laughs> we're, we're auctioning a calling card. How's that? Yeah. So we wanted it to not just be a card, but a social aspect of what all of us are missing about old school right now is we miss the social interaction. That is clearly the part of it that you love that I love and it's a good way to like meet new people so whoever ends up Mm -hmm. with this card you know obviously we're gonna know you and we're gonna tell you you're wrong for only playing one strip mine but we're gonna have it we're gonna have that discussion over a beer I know that Mark Brothers god that man's handsome is definitely (sighs) what an an attractive cue ball dude he is a stud man like (laughs) It's between him and Connor Minshew as far as like sexiest man alive. So <laughs> anyway, he I know he's gunning hard from it. And, you know, when paper magic resumes, we usually have people at at least three or four of the big old school events a year. So you're definitely getting, you know, at the bare minimum, one beer at like any major MTG, you know, MTG old school event. 
as far as like players ball, bootleggers ball. I, I was actually going to try to do lobster con this year in person. And if it's like SCG con or like some something down here in the Southeast, you're, you're probably just getting all of your drinks paid for. Yeah. You're, you might need an Uber home. <laughs> you will need an Uber home. So Rich, I see this note that you might play magic. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mulling over potentially playing in LobsterCon. I've never played Atlantic rules before. I, I have not played Atlantic. I initially hack zero and I played Swedish. It is a very different feel than the magic mm-hmm. that we're used to. Um, because you usually just die to blue decks. I have some ideas of what I want to do. If I do play, we'll, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm not counting it out though. I, I have not played any sort of, you know, organized anything. And I think if I play this year, it'll be old school. So lobster con, I think might be my last opportunity to do it. So, yeah, well, and it's for a good cause. So exactly. In addition to the fact I do not like making friends when it comes to playing old school, I just want to slaughter you and then have a beer and then we can be friends. I'm looking forward to it. It's the first time I will have played Atlantic. I it's Swedish, you know, like a Swedish based format, I guess I should say. Right. I'm looking forward to trying it. Well, I'm not actually looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to probably going to lose every round to fucking Ancestral Recall into Serendipifrit. But, you know, that's how it goes. So anything, you know, any closing thoughts you've got, Rich, about what we've talked about tonight? No, I think that we're in a very strange time right now. And definitely, definitely. It's unfortunate that we aren't able to gather, but I'm glad that the community organizers within the magic community recognize that and are taking appropriate actions to still foster interactions and uh, social gatherings, but in a responsible manner, that being online. It's cool to see people branching out and more and more of the magic community using webcam magic as a way to play paper with each other. It's a technology that the old school community has been using for forever. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next couple months bring about. From chaos and tragedy breeds innovation. And where we're at sucks. The state of the world is one that we watch constantly with bated breath. But I have hope. The brainstorm gets fucking banned. (laughs) in the brilliant minds around us that we can bring something positive out of this. I know quite a few players in the old school community, Mm -hmm. but I look forward to meeting more people and toasting over Skype and having a beer and saying, man, holy shit, that play was awesome. And just getting that feel like what you have of an in-paper event, you know, where... And asking them what the right number of strip mines is. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I'm definitely going to use my four strip miner get the fuck out deck box that day and make sure it is... (laughs) proudly displayed on my play space oh yeah oh i forgot we have stickers for that so maybe yeah, maybe I've, what i'll do is I'll, I'll send one of those to each one of my opponents or something i have a sticker on the side of my deck box that's uh, four strip mine one chaos orb 55 flex slot that's the way we play baby that's the way we play yes sir but anyway man it's been great talking to you tonight as always yeah. my friend have a good one everybody and yeah. i look forward to playing some of you guys at the digital lobster con and yeah i'll hopefully be around hanging out and wear a fucking mask everybody so if you're looking for jamie you can find him on twitter at PaxMTG. if you're looking for me for some unknown reason you can find me at the underscore Spoonerman. they're going to be looking for those sexy selfies that you got going on oh yeah the uh obese earthworm gym um <laughs> had a little mishap with a haircut so yeah the beard's gone 
If you want to send us an email because you love us or hate us, you actually, hate I really us. want hate mail. That's what I want. <laughs> I I don't check our email box, but apparently Jamie does. You can find us at hacksmtg at gmail.com. You can also find us at hacksmtg.com, which is a site that looks kind of like it was made in GeoCities and has all sorts of random shit for you to enjoy. So go check that out. I will definitely be doing a deck photo from LobsterCon, and I will probably do a tournament write-up to post there. So if you want to read about my vehement hate of one-strip mine formats and how I lost to blue decks every round, that's that's where you can find my hate-filled essay about understanding strip mine essay more like book right yes book i yes. i've got the first six chapters mapped out and it talks about the It'll, best way to to play strip mine and which strip mine art and what it says about your opponent based on the art and or language that they play that'll be the next in the series after understanding him of obedience yeah yeah exactly uh-huh. exactly all right everybody that's enough verbal shit posting for one night this is dj cast signing off you guys have a great night bye peace Heads up! Heads up! Here's another one, another one, and, a, and, a, and another one. Why you all in my ear talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear? Get back, motherfucker! You don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker! You don't know me like that. I ain't playing around.